Hey there, guys. It's Matt. Thanks for listening to our Refuel podcast this week. Before we get started, I just want to warn you that the subject matter discussed in this week's podcast has to do with sexuality. Now, depending on how old you are, your parents may or may not want you to listen to the content on this week's podcast. So if you're in middle school, I suggest you talk to your parents and get their permission before you listen. Now, this is a real important issue that I know so many of you encounter every day. That's why we decided to bring this lesson on Wednesday night to the high school group. That's also why we decided to post the recording of this lesson of the podcast. With that being said, let's get into the lesson. Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. Most, of, probably I would say most of you know, but just to kind of catch you up, if you haven't been here for a couple weeks, we're doing a series called Play-Doh. We made, a, you may not think this is 180 pounds, but this is 180 pounds worth of Play-Doh that we put together. Um, we're doing it for a purpose because we're breaking down this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4, Broger, that should be the first slide there. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. And what it says, it says, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech, conduct, faith, love, and purity. So over the past five weeks, um, this is week number five, um, those of you that have been with us, what you know is we have been hitting every single one of these areas. First, we talked about speech, how to leave an, an example, or maybe a better translation would be an impression just like I can leave an impression in this Play-Doh, um, how we can leave an impression on others with our speech, with the way that we live, our conduct, the way that we love, our love, and then faith, which we talked about last week, how, you know, faith holds firm under pressure. Tonight is the final one, and it's the area of purity. So what, what does it mean to be an example or an impression in purity? Looked up this word, um, the way you pronounce this word is hagnia, or let me try that again, hagnia. Hagnia, it's like the word that we use to translate into purity from the original Greek the Bible was written in. This is what it means. Purity, sinlessness of life, cleanliness, and clarity. By the way, if you have a question, just pop your hand up. I haven't got to talk to some of you yet tonight, but just pop your hand up. So we are doing a different lesson than the middle schoolers um, tonight because the, you know, purity is more than just one area, but the area that we're going to talk about tonight um, is the area of sexual purity. Um, you know, why in the world would we talk about sex at church? Well, I've got a couple, a couple reasons why I think we should. Um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a numbers guy. I'm a statistics guy, so I want to show you some statistics that just blew me away. Go to the next slide, Dylan. These are some just crazy statistics. 70% of the, of the most popular, sh- well, you, you probably know this. Um, April and I know this. 70% of the most popular shows watched by teens include sexual content and behavior. So this is something that you are seeing in all the shows that you watch. I mean, like, it's like, can you not be more creative? Like, let's just make a show where everybody sleeps with everybody, and we'll call it like a new, te- a new teen show. It's like, okay, that's like every other show since Friends, you know? So, um, but 70% of what you probably watch includes some kind of sexual content or behavior. Um, another thing, this, this one surprised me. It probably doesn't surprise you. This surprised me. 57% of teens reported they had been asked to send sexual, sexually explicit pictures of themselves, like over the phone. Um, some of you are like, yeah, that sounds about right, um, because you know how rampant it is in your school. So when you go to school, you hear about sex a lot, probably, I would assume, don't you? Like, a lot, like a lot more than you want to. And I went to a Christian school, and I heard about it a lot more than I wanted to. Um, so, so you hear about it at school, you're definitely seeing it on TV, like every song pretty much on um, on Key FM talks about it. Um, so you're hearing it all these different places. Maybe your parents had the awkward talk with you. 
And they're like, this is more awkward for me than it is for you. And you're like, yeah, right. How would you like to hear your mom talk to you about the birds and the beasts? You know, so, um, but you're hearing it everywhere else. But isn't it sad that like the one place that you could find like the answers that God has about, about it, we kind of keep our mouth shut. So we're going to talk about sexual purity tonight. And I think when you heard that, you probably thought maybe one of three things. The first you thought is, well, that's cool. I don't have anything to worry about. Like, I'm a virgin. Like, I haven't, you know, I haven't compromised myself sexually, so I don't really have to listen to anything he has to say because I'm, quote, unquote, good in that area. Well, I want to challenge your thinking about that a little bit because I think there are probably some things that you need to think about. Maybe you're not doing as well as you think you're doing in the area of purity. Um, second reaction that may you may have had is, well, Matt, I've already kind of screwed up in that area. I've already kind of messed up, and this isn't for me, because what you're going to tell me to do is just to stay pure, and well, I've already messed that one up. Uh, What I want you to do is remember, first off, that God has never loved you more than he has today. You can never do anything to make God love you any less than he loves you today, and purity is not something that you lose and you cannot get back. You're not pure because of, th- of what you did or didn't do. You're pure because Jesus Christ took your sin on the cross and you're covered in his blood and you're washed in his blood. And then the third, um, you know, the third reaction maybe you had was that um, you know, somebody, somebody stole your sexuality from you um, through something that you, in advance that you did not want or something you went through that you did not want to experience. Um, you feel as though someone has taken or stolen your purity. Can I remind you and maybe just kind of let you know that God is feeling no more compassion towards anyone than he is towards you? And it says God is near to the brokenhearted and he's moved with compassion when he sees people suffering. And God sees your suffering, he notices your suffering, and he wants to give you peace and he wants to give you comfort. And I think through this you may be able to receive some comfort. So just to kind of set that up, this is an awkward thing for, this is never, this is like, this is why we don't talk about it very often because for me it's like really weird to talk about. Like, really awkward to talk about. Um, and if you know me, you know I tend to put my foot in my mouth a lot. And things come out wrong, and I say things that just don't quite come out right. And if you've been around me long enough, you've heard me say some things I didn't mean to say. So when I'm talking about this kind of stuff, I'm really nervous that I could say something really bad. Okay, so, um, so I think before we kind of dive into what the Bible says about sexual, sexual purity, um, I think we should pray together. So I'm going to lead us in prayer. And then we're gonna we're gonna dive in. Father, I pray that as as we're as we're um, studying what you have to say, what you have to say about this very uh, kind of touchy area of our lives and a touchy subject, uh, God, that you'll give us open minds, that you'll give us open hearts, that we'll remember that your plan for our life is so much better than anything we could ask or imagine. In Jesus' name, Amen. So, how can we leave an impression on others through our sexual purity. How can we, how can we do that? Um, maybe one of the most, you know, there's, there, there, you may be surprised to know the Bible is incredibly um, full of, I guess we could call it sexual content. Um, from the beginning, you're two chapters in, um, and it says Adam and his wife were naked and they felt no shame. Um, all the way through the Bible, the Bible you know, talks a lot about sexuality, um, which is good because we hear a lot about it in our world. Um, so maybe the, one of the passages that talks to it the most, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles here to this passage. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Um, Corinthians was written. Um, God inspired these words to a church that was in a city called Corinth. And this church 
had become so messed up that there was a lot of um, sexual misbehavior that was going on in this church to the point where there was, a, there, was a, there was a guy who slept with his dad's step, or his, his dad's wife, like his stepmom. Like, things were getting incredibly, like, it was like one of those things that should be on, like, like, like Fox at 3 p.m. when you get home from school, you know, like one of those shows, like, you are the father, like, like that was going on in the, in the church, like, among leaders in the church. So, you know, God inspires Paul to write this. God's a little upset. Paul's a little upset, but he offers this gracious, like, response into how to handle this. So we're going to read starting in verse 12. We're going to look at more of this passage. We're going to read starting in verse 12. We're going to read to verse tw- the end of the chapter, verse 20. Um, verse 12 says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say food for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us too. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I, then take the me- this is wild. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. Whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. Flee from sexual immorality. All other sin a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. So God is setting these Corinthians straight who have been misbehaving. Uh, They've been getting into sexual immorality um, outside of God's plan. And I'm going to share with you four P words that have to do with what the Bible says about your sexuality. And then we're going to talk about how to apply them. And to apply them, you, some of you have been waiting this for a long time, I brought back the F words. I've got five F words for you that have to do with sex. And probably one of them is not the one you think. Okay? So um, let's dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at the first P word that has to do with what God's plan is for sexuality. Um, the first thing we learn is that God has a plan. You can go to the next slide, Broger. Thank you, sir. Um, God has a plan. If you look at verse, um, verse 16, it says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said the two will become one flesh. This verse in Corinthians, it references one of the, if some of you football gods are like, what kind of play is that? You know, this, this verse in Corinthians, it references the first relationship ever on earth in Genesis. And through this relationship, we see God's plan Not just for sex, but God's plan for relationships. You look around, you see some messed up relationships, maybe even in your house. Maybe you're like, yeah, the whole marriage thing doesn't work real well for my parents or didn't work real well for my parents. Let's look at what God's plan is. So keep your, you've got 10 fingers, you get to use them tonight. Keep a finger in 1 Corinthians 5. Flip back, I've got a placeholder here. Flip back to Genesis chapter 2 at the beginning of the Bible. I'm Mr. Alliteration tonight, by the way. Um, we see, when we look at God's plan for sex, we see five C's. The first C is compatibility. If you read this, God is creating the earth. He created, you know, 
chihuahuas, and he created unicorns. Well, he didn't create unicorns. You know, he created a T-Rex. You know, sorry, I hate to burst your bubble, all you, all you white girls out there. God did not create unicorns. They're a mythical creature. Um, but you, God created all the animals. He created the earth. He creates the first human. His name was Adam. He was a male. And then God's like, okay, this guy is not going to be good on his own. You know, men are pretty stupid. If you're a man, you understand what I'm saying. We're pretty stupid. Um, we need someone to set us straight. So God, what it says is, for Adam, no suitable helper could be found um, in verse 20 of chapter 2. It says, so the Lord caused man to fall into a deep sleep. When he was sleeping, he took one of man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. So God literally made two distinct genders, genders of humanity. He made male, and he took a rib out of the man and flesh with the rib, and he created a female. He created the male gender to be a certain particular way and the female gender to be a certain particular way. And if you think there's no difference between guys and girls, um, you deny science, right? Um, <laughs> you deny science. Um, but here, here's the thing. Some people use this idea that men and women are made to be compatible, right? Like this whole idea like, I need to live with someone before I, need, before I can figure out if I can marry, with, marry them because I need to know if it works. It's like, okay, God made it to work. Like, it works, right? Man, woman. So, um, but some, pe- some, some guys will use this verse and use a series of other verses to be like, the man should be the boss. The woman should be barefoot, pregnant, sitting in the house, cleaning my rifle. You know, that, that is so unbiblical. People that, people that espouse that point of view, you know, their wife needs to take the butt of that rifle and put it somewhere the sun don't shine, right? So um, that God, that's not God's plan. Um, Matthew Henry said it this way. I'm just going to say this, and then we'll move on to the next C. Matthew Henry said, the woman was made of, made of a rib out of the side of Adam, not made out of his head to rule over him, nor his feet to be trampled upon by him, but out of his side to be equal to him, under his arm to be protected, near his heart to be beloved. So God made two genders. He made male and he made female, and he made them not just to be compatible sexually, but to be compatible emotionally, mentally, spiritually. That's, that's God's plan. So God's plan was for compatibility. The next C is captivated. Or you may sub, it's not a C word, but you could sub, attracted. If you keep reading in this plan here, God brings, he, it says he presents the woman to the man. And this man says, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman because she's taken out of man. Adam was attracted to his wife. You want to know how, you don't want to know how that is? Because you can't make it another verse before, um, before he and her get together and they become one flesh. So Adam was incredibly attracted. God's plan is for men to be attracted to women, women to be attracted to, women to, be attracted to men. And yeah, hey, if, if you don't go out with someone because of their winning personality, yeah, that's not the first thing you notice about someone. I mean, they should have a good personality, right? Yeah, but if their biscuits don't melt your butter, it ain't going to get any better in 20 years. You know, stuff starts sagging, droop. You know, so, so, so there's an attraction. Yeah, there, maybe I'm going too far with this. April's not here to, to shake her head. Yeah, the, the, Adam was captivated. So there's, there's compatibility. There's, you're, you're captivated. And here's the next one. Here's the one. I mean, the world ignores all these, but this is the one they really ignore. There's a commitment. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and he's united to his wife. You want to know why there's so many, um, so many divorces in our, in our society? It's because the man hasn't left. I mean, he's, he may have moved out of his parents' house, but he's still got his Xbox eating his Hot Pockets, 
and he's not meeting his wife's needs, right? So, so, so there, there's, there's a commitment. There's a commitment. Um, you leave your old house. You, you take, you know, when you get older, you'll understand this. You'll take, you take your finances. It's no longer my finances and her finances. It's our finances. It's no longer my house or her house. It's our house. It's no longer my career or her career. It's our plans together. So there's a commitment that, you know, the whole saying the marriage vows, which don't seem to mean much anymore, but like till death to his part, that's commitment. That's God's plan. God's plan is for sex to happen in, 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 a, in a relationship of 100% total commitment, compatibility, um, captivation. And then finally, we get to consummation. It says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother, united to his wife, and they become one flesh. You understand what that means, right? Adam and Eve became one flesh. Um, then the final C, <laughs> I was trying to find a good way to explain that. The final C is confidence. And here's where this is like so different than the way things seem to happen in the world. It says, at, they just had become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You know what we associate with in our society? We associate sex with shame. You've, we associate sex with shame. People talk about it in the hallways. Can you believe she and him? It's, it's, it's associated with shame. But in God's plan, sex is not associated with shame, but it's actually associated with confidence. It's associated with the lack of shame because you're doing something that is, God has planned for you, it's healthy, and, and, and it honors God. So there is a plan. There's a plan. God had, you know, the, the story of the Bible and Christianity is, is not that sex is bad. Christianity is God has a plan for it. The second thing we learn, the second P, is there, there has been a perversion of God's plan for sex. And you can read about it. Um, if you have your finger in, um, in Col or Corinthians, you, you want to turn back to Corinthians now, we see the perversion. Um, it, it, it lists all these effects of sin, um, and we can see it. When I was tell telling you about the C words, um, we can see how the world has perverted that, right? where God made men and women to be compatible, we have two things. First, we ha I'll tell you what the ambulance means here in a second. The first thing we have is men trying to be compatible with men and women trying to be compatible sexually with women. What else we have is a man trying to be sexually compatible with himself and a woman trying to be sexually compatible with herself. It's called porn. And it's incredibly dangerous. It's one of the most addictive things in our society. And probably half of our, you know, half of our American population is addicted to porn. So, yeah, compatibility has been skewed, has been perverted. Captivation, being attracted to someone, captivation has turned into lust. Agree? Captivation has turned into lust. Commitment has turned into cheating. Consummation in a committed relationship has turned into hooking up. And confidence has turned into shame. Do you see how the effects of sin and people abandoning God's way has, has, has skewed and perverted our view of sexuality? Then God, um, in, if, you, if you're in 1 Corinthians, back up to, I know this is sex and it's funny, but let's focus in here. Um, chapter 6, verse 9, he gives a list of some sexual sins that were going on in, in Corinth, and I think they're going on in our culture. It says, don't be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves or greedy or drunkards or slanders or swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So I think we could all agree, um, even if you live under a rock, that our understanding of God's plan 
for sexual purity has really been distorted. Satan is, this is what Satan does. He takes a mere reverse image of what God creates. He makes something that's almost it, but not it. And that's what he's done with sex. That's why I put this picture of the ambulance. Have you ever noticed, and you've probably, somebody's probably pointed this out to you, that if you look at the word ambulance, it's spelled backwards so that when you see it in a rearview mirror, it's spelled the right way. Did anybody already know that? Okay, a couple of, okay. No big news. Okay, but that's, that's what Satan does. He takes that mere reverse image. He, our, our understanding of sexual, sexuality has been perverted by our society, by sin, by the world. But here's the, here's the third P. It comes at a high price. Um, it comes at a high, high, high price. Uh, look, at, um, verse, look at verse 20. It says, you were bought with a price, therefore honor God with your bodies. You know, sexual sin, sexual impurity has an effect on a lot, not just our lives, but the lives of others, but it starts affecting us. You know, in health class, I'm, I'm going to try not to be cr- crude here, because I'm not all about being crude. I'm just about trying to teach you the Bible and what it says. But um, in, 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 in health class, you know, what's the most important thing they tell you about sex? It's that you practice safe sex. You know, you can practice what they call safe sex, but they don't make protection for your brain and for your mind, and for your memory, do they? That's not possible. There are people that I know, maybe there are people that you know, they bear emotional damage as a result of sexual impurity in their life. They thought that guy loved, she thought that guy loved her, but he didn't really love her, he was just playing at love to get to what he wanted, and then he dumped her. Now she's got some serious emotional Emotional issues, the price, is, the price is high. That's why God lists this as a specific sin because it's so damaging. Um, you know, we, we know the effects of um, sexual impurity on the body. Um, they do talk about that in health class. Um, there's also, it affects our relationship with God. Um, if you look at um, verse number 13, it's a long verse but towards the end. It says, the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Our bodies are for the Lord. So when we do something with our bodies that dishonor the Lord, it, it, it puts a barrier in our relationship. But look at this. It also says, and the Lord for the body. This is something I don't think we hear about enough in Christianity. God is for your body. God is not against your body. God is not against you. God is not against your pleasure. God is not against your experiencing um, what, what he has created, but he's, he has a plan. It also hurts our relationship with others. Um, this is kind of where our Plato object lesson comes in and when we're talking about impressions and the impression, the impression that we leave on others, what I want you to ask yourself is what impression am I leaving with my physicality on others? Because you know what is true? What's so interesting, I'll, fingerprints are so interesting because no one person has the same fingerprints. Yeah, that's why Apple can do the touch ID. But now they're doing facial recognition, so that's like totally like so old-fashioned now. But, um, but here's what I know. When I grip this Play-Doh, what happens? See it oozing between my fingers? What I have here is a perfect outline of my grip, of my touch. And you know what I know to be true? Because this is, applies to everyone. No one touches like you do. No one holds hands like you do. No one kisses like you do. You are, God created you to be incredibly unique in this area of your life. And every time 
you give that gift away to someone else. It's a gift that only you can give. So the question that you need to ask is, is this a gift? This doesn't look real good, does it? Is this a gift that I want to save and give to my future spouse? Or is this a gift that I want anyone to have? I will tell you the effects of living outside God's plan will affect the person you marry. You know what's interesting? It also talks about how sexual sin affects our church, our church family, and our missions. See what it says in verse 16? It says, do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute will be one with her body? If you back up, it says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? You know what the church is referred to? It's referred to as the body of Christ, and it says each one of us is a part of it. If you go through the, the churches, the early churches, and you look at their history, what you will learn is the churches that didn't make it were the ones that struggled with sexual sin because it has a profound impact on a church's ability to function the way God has it. There's a high price, but let's get to the good part. There is power. God gives us victory over temptations and failures. Uh, I, this verse is awesome. And you know how I've told you I want to write, write a book called Big Butts of the Bible? This one will be in it. I gave you that list of sexual sins that it references. It talks about the sexually immoral, the adulterers, the men who have sex with men. Then the very next verse, it says, and that's what some of you were. But, big old but, I like big butts and I cannot lie, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Washed means you were washed by the blood of Christ, that your sin was nailed to the cross, even sexual sin was nailed to the cross when Jesus died. Sanctified, it's, it's the verb form of the word purity that we're studying. Um, how do you pronounce the word? Uh, 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 uh. I think that's how you pronounce it. And what it means is that being purified. So it says that Jesus purified you on the cross. And then it says that you were justified on the cross. You were made righteous in God's eyes. So let me ask you some questions. We're going to get to our F words, and I'm going to list them so you can try to apply them later tonight. Um, what sin did Jesus die for? This is the interactive part. <laughs> All sin. Does that mean Jesus died for people that cheat on their spouses? Did Jesus die for that? Let's make it, let's, let's start a little easier. Did Jesus die for people who cheat on tests? Because <laughs> we all understand that one, right? Did Jesus die for people who sleep around in high school? Okay, we're getting, we're getting there. Did Jesus die for gay people? Getting better. Did Jesus die for people who were addicted to porn? Every sin was nailed to that cross. And the implications of that are huge. It says that you were washed, sanctified, justified by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus did, and through the Spirit of God. If you're addicted to porn, and what they say is porn is almost as addictive as like narcotics. Um, if you want to know more, well, I'll say if you want to know more about porn. If, if you are struggling with porn, you want more facts and how to, how to get help, go to um, the site, well, why it's got the shirt, Porn Kills Love, um, pornkillslove.com. You'll find out all this, but it, it's addictive. 
You know who can break the power of addiction? Jesus. You know who died for addicts? Jesus. So if, if you've messed up in this area or you've struggled in this area, purity is not something that you lose and you cannot get back. That's virginity and that's important. And what we talked about is the, con- the consequences of, of, of sexual sin are, are, are big and I don't want you to think, well, I can just do whatever I want and God will make me pure again. You, you still gotta deal with the consequences but you can be made pure again. Through confession, through repentance, God forgives any sin. So there is power on the cross. So you ready to hear some F words? Okay, here's my F words. Just go ahead and put the first one up there, Dylan. Um, the first one is fellows. This is how to, be, this is how to, how to, how to ha- have victory over sexual temptation. The first is fellows. Travel in groups. Um, I'm not saying you need to go on double dates wherever you go. But if you, are, if you are struggling in this area, if you are struggling with porn, you know what you need to do? You need to enlist someone's help. It doesn't mean you need to go confess every sin you've ever committed. But if you're struggling with porn, come talk to me. Come talk to Wyatt. Let us, let us help you. God gave us the body of Christ to be there for each other. So if you want to gain victory over sexual sin, you need some fellows. Or I don't know, what, what's the female component of fellas? Felitas? You need some philitas. Here's the next F word. Flee. This one's in the Bible. Um, in this passage, it says um, in verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. I'll tell you this right now. Like, I have no problem telling you this. You can hate me if you want. If you're in a relationship right now with someone who's trying to get you to compromise sexually, you're tempted to compromise yourself sexually, end it tonight because it's not going to get any easier. So if you're in a relationship that's trying to get you to compromise yourself sexually, or tempting you to compromise sexually, end it tonight. There's no relationship worth, there's no relationship worth doing something you're gonna regret later. The, fi- the next F word is fingers. <laughs> That's kind of a weird one. Uh, fingers, here's what I mean. Remove sources of digital temptation. You know, some of you need to set up some rules in your life that have to do with your technology because your technology is causing you to lust, it's causing you to sin. Maybe that means no phones, no laptops in the bedroom. You're going to keep them in common areas where your parents and your brothers and your sisters are. You're like, man, Matt, what about my privacy? Hey, privacy is great, but would you want privacy if it meant you were locked in a room with a murderer? <laughs> you know, at some point, privacy gives way to your life. And you know what Jesus said? He said it would be better to gouge your eye out than to lose your whole body in hell. So remove it. Remove it. Um, remove sources of digital temptation. Next one is fences. Um, some, of you, some of these you may not like, but hey, you didn't pay me to give this lesson. This is free, so free advice. Um, fences. Set boundaries. Do you have like, you don't have to have, you know, I've heard people say, you need to write this out. You just need to know. Maybe it'd help you to write out. You need to know, I will not do this in a relationship. I will not do this with the opposite sex. And here, the time not to come up with those ideas, the time to not come up with those boundaries is when it's like Friday night in the back of the Prius, underneath the stars, with your girlfriend. You're not going to come up with really good boundaries, are you? You come up with the boundaries ahead of time, don't you? So you know. You probably won't. You're not going to do this, but I just want you to be thinking like this. What if you did write your boundaries out and you showed them to your dad and asked your dad what he thought about your boundaries. 
You think you may want to make a couple additions or subtractions? Think about it. Set your boundaries ahead of time. Here's the, here's the last one. Here's the last F word. Last F word is flings. This one's going to tick you off too, but I've probably ticked you all off and I, so we'll just, just, just go big or go home. Statistics say the average high school relationship lasts six months. So I thought about putting relationships on there, but they're really more like flings. You know, 10%, well, they're saying it's less than 10% of people will marry someone they dated in high school. Think about it. The person that, you're, that you were with at this time last year, are you with them now? I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer on relation. I'm really not. Like, don't throw, I see like the darts, you know? I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but here, here's all I'm saying. Be selective who you date, and here's why. Because I'm not against dating. I mean, you know, you know how are you going to know what food to order if you don't look at the menu? You know, you, you, you got you, you to know what's up. But, um, but, but here's the thing. How sad would it be that a six-month relationship can cause you six years of pain? So we're not going to get into the whole dumper day. You know, if you've been with me before, we do a flow chart, dumper day. You know, first question I ask, are they Christian? The second, you know, the second one they ask is, do they, lo- they actually love Jesus? Or are they just saying they're Christian because they want to date you? Uh, what do your parents think? Be selective. Because that person, there's no one with closer access to your life than the person you date. And that person, whether you think they are going to or not, they will not complete you. Jesus is the only one who can complete you. So there's my five F words. That's all I have to say about sex for a long time. It's like once every three years, okay? So let me pray for you guys. We're going to go downstairs and talk about it in our tag groups now. (laughs) So let's pray. Father, thank you um, that there is victory over temptation through your cross. Um, These things are big and they're powerful and we hear about them a lot, but nothing is bigger, nothing's more powerful than you. Um, Nothing can undo what you did on the cross. Father, I pray for people that are struggling with their purity tonight that they will understand that they're as close to purity as they are to the cross and that they will live at the foot of the cross. Um, They will confess, that they will repent, um, that they will allow your uh, forgiveness to come rushing into their life. And God, I pray for people who, um, they didn't fail in this area, but something happened to them that caused caused pain in this area. Uh, God, that you will be the healer um, that, you, that you promise to be in the Bible in their lives and that you will heal them, um, that, that they will remember that they are a child of God. Um, so God, I just pray for all of us, whether it's, whether it's, it, it's an online thing or whether it's a, a, a physical thing, God, that you will bring purity into our lives, that we'll be people that are known for the way in which we live our lives. We'll be known as people who live pure lives not just in the area of sexuality, but in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.